somebody explained the CSO role as being a corporate chameleon. So influencing others, it's understanding from their perspective, what, how it is that they see things so that you're able to speak their language. And that certainly leads to success. My name is Rich Rubik. I'm the founder of Collective Responsibility, and this is a Sustainable Ambassador and Innovator podcast. I'm here today with Ellen Weinreb, who is the founder of the Ellen Weinreb Group. And one of our more popular or our more popular videos are surrounding developing your career in sustainability, entry points, big trends, how much money can you make? And at, like right off the bat, when I was looking at the series, I was thinking, I've got to get you on here to talk about what you've been seeing over the years, but also just in the research you've been doing, the placements you've been making. So it's it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. So I founded Weinrib Group Sustainability Recruiting about 15 years ago. And prior to that, I was doing sustainability consulting mm. for a decade. And I'm a natural connector and networker. Uh, and so I decided to go into the recruiting niche and it's been quite a ride. It's been a lot of fun and I have a very unique vantage point to the yeah. space that I have devoted my career to. You're one of the few, I think, who's really dedicated yourself to the career of recruitment in the sustainability space. I mean, outside of some of the major, you know, Acre and some of the other groups that I've seen, you're one of the few that I've, that's been consistently there doing this work. And so what is your vantage point right now? Where, where's the market? What's hot? What's interesting in terms of sustainability and sustainability careers um, as you see it? Yeah, now? no, it's a, it's a hot time. There's a lot of movement. There's a number of shifts in that last couple of years. One of them is the role that investors are playing as key stakeholders in terms of driving sustainability and ESG. And then there's movement from, let's say, corporations making commitments to net zero. And also there's a regulatory framework that in Europe and in the US that's increasing. So it means that companies are putting more resources into sustainability yeah. and there it's just a hot growing field. And we're just seeing all sorts of movement that we hadn't seen previously and also at a more rapid pace. Are these totally dedicated now sustainability professionals? Or are they still the, the half professionals like HR, PR, IR, kind of communications professionals with half-time sustainability? What's the what's the trend? Companies are calling us to find specialists, particularly around net zero and scope three emissions, reporting, regulatory framework. They're needing that expertise and they're needing full-time people in that expertise. And then there's also companies that have never had smaller companies. And when I say smaller, I mean three to $6 billion revenue companies, not that small, but still they're hiring their first sustainability leader. And the calls that you're getting, you, you deal mainly with senior executives. Are you also seeing that this call is going out to young professionals and to recent graduates? Is there more activity there? Like just yeah. general principle, like what's what's happening in the, in the overall market when it comes to- Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is trickling down. I mean, in general, the world needs more sustainability professionals. And I'm right. very involved in supporting growing the pipeline of talent. One of our findings is that it used to be hard to get those corporate jobs. The corporate jobs were few and far between, but it was easier to get hired at the consulting firms. And now we're seeing people from consulting firms going to corporations. And we're seeing these consulting firms, big, big ones like EY, PwC, Deloitte, hiring lots, like yeah. thousands of professionals. Business service firms in general, they have been really looking to absorb a lot of young talent, a lot of mid to and they're they're really struggling. So how, how are they filling these positions? Is it they're training a lot of people who generally weren't 
weren't in that space? Or is this now signaling to all the, say, the business schools, let's train everybody up in this? So there, there's schools like UNC, um, Duke, Katie Cross at Duke has this edge um, managing director of edge and this climate capital and all of that. Um, there's Haas, Michigan, yeah. Yale, Presidio School of Management, where you can get specifically an MBA in sustainability. So anyway, there's a lot of great it's programs out there that are helping to produce. And then the business schools, I mean, sorry, the Deloitte's and the, these um, management consulting firms are also hiring people pretty much at the ground level. Mm -hmm. And then there's organizations like the Global Reporting Initiative that has training. And so you can yeah. get, or if it's like um, real estate, there's lead certifications, there's ways to get certifications and training around ESG. So there, there are a lot of resources out there to help people get, get the training they need. I've looked at Cambridge. I know GRI. I know CFA has a, has a new um, ESG certification. And then you have all these business schools. And then you have all the sustainable development, sustainable master. Like, are all of them attractive? Are some of them more attractive than others right now? I think it depends on your appetite. Uh, like Presidio, it has a lot of freedom to create your own kind of practicum. Um, and for some people, that's exactly what they want. And for others, that would not be so much a good fit. Yeah. And, and others, they want kind of more generic MBA with a splash of ESG or sustainability and others want hundred percent. So I think it's, it's doing your homework and talking to alums or um, active students to see if yeah. they feel like they're the you know, they're your kind of people. And with the certification programs, are you finding that those are say market valuable? You know, if I am as a seasoned executive, does the Cambridge degree offer me a huge boost and say opportunities or income, or is that better for middle management or the incoming group of people who are trying right. to build their career? I mean, if it's real estate, then they would want the lead certification. Like we see a little bit of that, but oftentimes it's the experience that certification gets you, helps get your foot in the door to get the experience or gives you a network and a connection to get that experience. And that's what gets you hired. But just having that like line on the resume doesn't necessarily do it for you. 20 years ago, you use sustainability as a way to improve your career in the HR field and in the investment relations field. But do you find that now sustainability is a career in and of itself? The advice that I used to give 10 years ago was stick stick to the day job, right? Stick to like that the, the sustainability corporate careers are so few and far between mm. that if we really want to meet the demand out there in the marketplace, yeah. stick to marketing and get a little bit of sustainability into it. And these days, climate change being still the, the burning platform that it is today and, and this growth in the sector, there are opportunities, there are jobs out there right. so that yes, you can make sustainability your career. Are you finding that it's more technical people in demand right now? Or is it more generalist to understand, say, the, the whole supply chain and all the issues and all the stakeholder people? Or is it someone who like really niche? I know this technology. I know this solution. So there's a certain number of competencies that are required for the sustainability leader. There's influencing leaders. There's setting a strategy. There's operationalizing a strategy. Those are, I'd say, generalist skills. And also one thing that is newer that wasn't around 10 years ago, but is today is managing a board committee. At the same time, because of these net zero commitments and scope three emissions, that there's also explaining that to senior level management to get buy-in. Do you feel that there are enough people in the industry to fulfill the demand 
required right now? Or is there still a really large gap and therefore a really large opportunity to develop your career in sustainability? There's a a small gap. I think that the consulting firms that say are hiring a lot of people yeah. and those companies are getting massive, massive amounts of funding. And yeah. so then they're getting headcount. So the market's really hot right now. You have a lot of, and I talk to a lot of people who want to get into the space who are, they, they don't have the skills to say supply chain of finance of communications, but they want to save the world. They want to get into a company. They want to be on mission. What, what are the opportunities for them right now? And and what advice do you give them as they're trying to build their career or find that first opportunity? So the first thing is to find that, like where, where are your strengths and abilities? Mm-hmm. And then the question is, how can, you, um, how can you marry that with your interests that's subject matter related, like be it climate change or international development and exploring and having conversations? I mean, if you're really kind of out the gate, then it's having conversations and yeah. Um, and exploring opportunities in that area and starting being willing to start at the ground up. You've been doing research on this space and on people looking to work in the space, but also from the perspective of the employers for, for many years now. What, what have you been finding in the market that's just soup, like when you look at this research, you're like, wow, that's, that's really interesting and this is really important for the market. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can pull up a couple of slides for some yeah. research that I did. Um, actually, the author at Green Biz is John Davies. Okay. And, um, and it, we've put out the state of the profession report mm-hmm. for about eight every other year for about 14 years. Um, okay. And we've been partnering with GreenBiz on this report. We, let's see, we got 1,463 people replying to our survey. And we asked the salary question, which is, so what, you know, one of the findings is that salaries are continuing to go up, particularly at the VP level. Mm-hmm. And so the, the VP salaries, you know, continues to inch up. The director level stays pretty steady and the manager level has stayed, you know, pretty relatively steady. Okay. So that's one find, one of the key findings. And then another one of the key findings is, um, the headcount, which is related to one of your earlier questions. Right. And that is, if you know, if you can see the, the question about what's the size of your team, and they're looking at one to five or more than 20. Mm-hmm. And you can see the downward slope of the one to five and the upward slope of the plus 20. So there's certainly a growth in, in the headcount. So more money, more opportunities because the teams bigger are bigger teams. Harder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and also, um, there's a slide in terms of are you hiring positions internally or externally? And that line's going up, meaning to refer to your question about are they looking for that expertise? And they are. They're hiring people that have that, that are coming from the outside. From the outside. Um, and, and they're using, you know, recruiters more. I mean, and that's, that's a great trend. I mean, you get more people involved, more money involved, larger teams, and they're recruiting from the outside. So all... Th- trends seem to be going in the right way here. Yeah, absolutely. It's trending upwards. Okay. Like that's the overall finding. And so I guess within that, when you look at like the the teams themselves, what's the composition of the teams that that are coming out now? One thing that we've looked at in our research with chief sustainability officers is how how close to the CEO is this and how much is the CEO is a champion. And so that's certainly increasing. 
I mean, in general, sustainability lives around corporate affairs and government affairs and external affairs. So it kind of yeah. kind of lives there, but we're seeing more in, in investor relations and more in um, council, general council than in the past. And then in terms of the t- structure itself, you have the CSO or the mm-hmm. senior most leader. There's And then there's often a deputy who's doing yeah. more of the operationalizing. Um, another thing in terms of structures is that you have throughout, because you're influencing leaders who are taking on the responsibility. So you've got the kind of the number one and the number two are working cross-functionally in the company for right. different leaders to own work streams. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially how it gets operationalized is through these work streams. And then in terms of hiring specialists, the, the reporting function used to be half a person. And now it's like a team of two to four, you know, it's, it's just bigger. It definitely has more headcount. I mean, for me, it's just like, that just sounds like so many opportunities, whether you're at the bottom, the middle, or even at the top. And interestingly, you were mentioned like general counsel and corporate affairs. Is that because ESG is so hot? Like, is is ESG really the main driver right now? Because I would think, like, say Gap or Nike or any of these consumer brands, does a sustainability person need to kind of understand the bridge between sustainability and consumers, or is it, or is it really just more about the regulatory environment across all the companies is pushing this, and so that opens up opportunities just for everybody to get involved? Right. The the regulatory <laughs> environment and the market demand, investors. I mean, it's investors and regulatory mm-hmm. in U.S. and Europe that are requiring these disclosures. Yeah. And so companies need to put resources behind that. So if the regulations are kind of hitting these companies similarly, I would argue, does that mean that you can then skip around different industries now? Or are you still kind of subject to say, if you start off and say apparel, you're going to stay in apparel and you're in, you're in energy and you're going to be in energy forever? Or do you see a lot more fluid movement around because the regulations generally apply to these firms very similarly. So the tools can be kind of taken around and you can find the the industry or the company that you want a little bit easier now. I think the regulation is also a function of which industry you're in. So if you're in fertilizer or ag or energy, then there's different kind of regulatory forces. And and then are you global versus where are your customers, where are your supply chains? So those are also factors and are you under yeah are, are you under the the microscope of like if you're meta let's say yeah and you you've got a lot of regulatory regulators just watching everything that you're doing so if you look at the market just generally are brands challenged by finding the top one or three people or are they more challenged by finding the bottom 17 that what i'm hearing from clients is that they need support finding the leadership to support influencing, you know, the gravitas for influencing yeah. leaders. I assume that you talk with all these people that you're in, that you're you're trying to place within your company. When you're having conversations, what are what are some of the key questions, or what are some of the key things that you're trying to learn about that person? What are some of the cues that you're getting about when someone's going to be the right fit, or when they have the right experience? What, what are some of the cues that you've just picked up over the last 20, 25 years? Well, I think it's it's looking at the lines in the resume that align with the job description, right? That that they're looking for, and then drilling down with the candidate 
Yeah. It's like, okay, so you operationalize that strategy. Tell me what strategy did you operationalize and mm -hmm. how did you do it? And so just drilling, drilling down. And do you talk about passion for the mission or is it really just the job scope? Yeah, there's passion for the mission or passion. There's also like alignment for the job. Like, yeah. are you excited about what this company, like we did a search for PetSmart and are you passionate about pets? Do you care about pets? Are you excited about pets? And, and yeah. if you are, then that helps align with the company and would be a good culture fit. Like yeah. bringing your dog to work, is that super appealing to you or could you care less? And, and that, you know, and that helps. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'll go back to the, the, to the team itself. The teams are getting bigger and the budgets are getting bigger. What does that mean for salaries, say for the top one to three people? Are they, because their teams are getting larger, does that mean that they're getting much larger salaries? And then what are some, what are some rough ranges say for not just CSO, but maybe the one or two steps below that? Are we looking at six figure salaries? Are we looking at, you know, high five figures? What's the general trend and what are some ranges that people can get used to? Because there's so much movement in the market, then the salaries are getting more competitive. So we used to see a lot of CSOs whose salary was base salary was in the 200 to 250 range mm -hmm. in US dollars. And now we're seeing that more for the number two yeah. is, is earning the 200. So a bag of the envelope is 225 base, 30% bonus, and then 30,000 in long-term incentive. Okay. And so that is a back of the envelope That's a great salary. And a, a lot of, a lot of what we see out there is kind of in that range. That's, I mean, it's a respectable salary. Yeah, it is. It is. And do you find that say ESG right now, because it's so hot is maybe paying more than say supply chain sustainability, or is it, are you finding that at that, at that level, it all averages out to rough Roughly the same. Yeah, the, the ESG jobs, when I say ESG, I mean the reporting um, at, or, and or um, in the, let's say, private equity or certain sectors, investment sector, the, those are in more demand and therefore the salaries are higher. And is that because they're in shorter supply of people? Yeah, or is that supply and demand mm -hmm. drives the market price up. Yep. Because um, I've always kind of thought like, you know, the, the investment banks, they, they always value people a little bit differently. They, they throw a lot of money around to, to attract the best talent and to keep them. So they naturally, for me, would think like I could get the best salary there versus say, you know, a supply chain oriented organization. So, you know, in addition to the, the research that you did just more generally about sustainability and leadership, you've also... Report, uh, you've also released one about CSOs specifically. So what were some of the findings that you had from that? Because I find the CSO space, a lot of discussion about it. I see a handful of my friends updating their, their, their LinkedIn profiles of CSOs, but I just haven't seen a whole lot. So what, what did you find in your, own, in your research? And is this the next, the next thing as well? Right. So we did research on CSOs in 2011 and then again in 2021. Wow. And the 2021 research was CSOs 10 years later. And the first one was this kind of, um, and so we were able to compare then and now, and we were looking very specifically for that title, chief sustainability officer working for us publicly traded companies. Okay. And the, the count um, then 10 years prior was 29 with that very title. Okay. And then it was 95 when we did the research. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, 95 is not very good. <laughs> It's not good enough. For, I, like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. Like, like in like, terms of wow. like, and equals, you want 4,400, you want to, yeah. like, I understand that, you know, we're doing the title chief sustainability officer, but some companies, um, 
Yeah. You know, a lot of companies call your head of sustainability something else. We were just researching for this. I was like, where are all the CSOs? You see so many articles and so much discussion about it. When you go into LinkedIn, you type in CSO or chief sustainability. There's not a whole lot, but there's a lot of SVPs. There's a lot of EVPs. Yeah. The title as um, when we do a search for a mm. chief sustainability officer, I can tell you that the candidates definitely are intrigued. Mm. It, it does help us recruit top talent. That's great. So we need to advocate for more changes in title, essentially from EVP, SVP. It helps. Yeah. Yes. And it's signaling, signaling externally yeah. that, that the company really cares about this and puts it yeah. at the top. Wrapping up, I mean, if you are a young professional looking to develop a career in sustainability, what are two or three piece of advice that you would give them as they're going along this path towards the CSO seat, which will hopefully be you know, in the hundreds or thousands by the time they arrive there. Right. I mean, I, I think follow your passion, but also recognize where your strengths are and and build those func that functional expertise and always look for opportunities and be open for new opportunities. Is it the communication skill? Is it the supply chain? Are there specific things? Or is it just be really focused on the wider picture here? In terms of generalist skills, it's influencing change, influencing leaders, gravitas, taking um, leadership opportunities. It's amazing. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah.